I am joined here today with Cindy Rollins, and I'm really excited to have her on the show today. You're going to love listening to her. Cindy Rollins has homeschooled her nine children for over 30 years using Charlotte Mason's timeless ideas from the beginning. She's the author of Mere Motherhood, Morning Time, Nursery Rhymes, and My Journey Towards Sanctification, A Handbook for Morning Time, and Hallelujah, A Journey Through Advent with Handel's Messiah. She's also the co-owner of the Mere Motherhood Facebook group with her good friends, Angelina Stafford and Lynn Bruce. Her heart's desire is to encourage moms. She lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee with her husband, Tim, dog Max, and however many children happen to be home at the time. You can find her at her website, cindyrollins.net, where she publishes her newsletter, Over the Back Fence, at her Facebook group, cindyrollins.net, on Instagram, Twitter, and at the Mere Motherhood Facebook group. She's also going to be doing a podcast with Angelina Stanford called The Literary Life, and I will link all that into the show notes so that you can find her easily. And Cindy, I am so delighted to have you here today. Thank you, Lisa. I'm really excited to be here. You are really known in in many circles as kind of the queen of Charlotte Mason, but one of the reasons I really wanted to talk with you in regards to soft skills is the whole concept that I think um, Charlotte Mason really works towards with truth, beauty, and goodness is the idea of virtue and how that ties in with education. Yes, and and that is that is really the goal of education, isn't it? To have virtue, and if we if we get to the end of our our education of our the, of our educating our children, and we we've, we've taught them all these skills, all these this ability, and um, and we haven't filled their hearts with truth, goodness, and beauty to embody virtue, then they they will not have a picture of what it means to live the virtuous life, will they? And, that, and that's, that's kind of sad because in a way we're kind of empowering them to, to not be good people, but to be bad people. Right. How did you, how did you instill those things? How did you instill those qualities of just a hunger for goodness and truth and beauty in your own kids? Well, did well, you, I mean, everyone's looking for the perfect curriculum, which we all know does not exist, sad to say. Yes. <laughs> I always think if the perfect thing was out here, I would have done so well. I would have had, you know, I, I would have really achieved a lot, especially if the perfect curriculum had been like something like, say, a, a box of box furniture where we get the directions, we get all the pieces, we get the directions. We just, all we have to do is follow one, two, three, four, all the way out to like step 3000 and boom, we have what we're looking for. And sadly, it does not work that way with education. Number one, our children are born persons. So, so that means there's a lot of variables that um, are going to come into play in, in their lives and ours. And so none of us are going to be able to say, here's what always works. And that, that's, that's something that we can't say. But we do know how God created us. And one of the ways that he created us was um, to be um, for stories to enliven us. Mm. And so when we, one of the things I like about stories um, and from a young age, a history and also Bible, the biblical narrative is that um, those can be the voice of conscience in our children's lives. So that as parents, after a while, like say you get to your, your child gets to be about eight years old or nine years old, you're all there. You're nagging your job kind of before that is like nagging mom, you know, stop doing that. Don't put, 
don't put your fork in the, you know, in the, in the electric outlet. And uh, <laughs> you, know, you have this big job and it includes, you know, just telling people what to do and what not to do because they really have no idea about certain things in life. You know, don't jump off the back porch and you know, you'll fall. Uh, all these things that mom is doing, but about, there comes a time when uh, mom has just been talking so much that everybody stops listening to her. Mm-hmm. And that is the wonderful thing about stories. And that is the wonderful thing about, um, about um, um, the Bible, the narrative of the Bible. That is the wonderful thing about history. Mm-hmm. Um, it can still have a moral authority in the lives of our children when, um, when maybe we're, you know, our voice is a little, it's easy for the kids to tune us out. Mm-hmm. So we can back up, as Charlotte Mason says, we can get out of the way and let these these um, these these stories do their work in the lives of our children. And, and you know, when you're reading a, a story, and you're you know, usually when you read a story, we're all rooting for the same things because there is a sense that this is right and this is wrong, mm-hmm. and, and that implants in the child a vision for. Um, for the way life should be lived in order to, you know, have our best life. Mm. We, my husband and I were just talking about that last night and the fact that all of us um, have a small story and sometimes it's, mm. it just feels so small and insignificant, but we are all part of this grand sweeping, beautiful story of Christ and his work in the world towards redemption. And if we don't do our part, we've left a hole and God calls each of us to a certain thing. Um, and we can pick up our, pick up the task or not pick it up. But I love the idea of stories as a way to teach, um, and just really helping our kids understand that there are stories that are outside of our, ourselves and our families that really speak to the heart of the big things. And honestly, I feel like it helps our children get outside of our, their, first it helps them get outside of their own head right. and then even outside of our own families so that, so we have a broader focus, a broader view of the world and that, and, and we can, and that's where we get some wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, you know, traditionally the homeschool family was, you know, in, in the early years, even when I was homeschooling, we were hunkering down inside of our families. Thankfully, we were reading books that were, had broader worlds, uh, you know, Narnia and the Swallows and Amazons and the Railway Children and all these books where people were living large lives. So that helped us a lot. But um, but really, books can help us get outside of ourselves and see other experiences in other people's lives and how principles as timeless as integrity can trans transmute can um, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't get the word out, but um, the cultures that we live in that this is not um, oh just something how I feel this morning. This is actually a value that has value in every culture. Mm, right. Because the great truths aren't culturally bound. They're no. they're not, they're not linguistically bound. They're not our worldview. They, they're above and beyond all those things. Mm-hmm. So did you just read for hours to your kids and do these beautiful nature walks? I always try to, we, I always tried to have like nature tables in my house. And then at, at some point I'm like, Oh, the clutter, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you yeah. manage well, all that? <laughs> well, I, nowadays they have those beautiful little like uh cabinetry things that are like little holes, little like square yeah. holes that you can put uh, your nature stuff in. I have that for my student that I work with now. Who's not my own child. And that, that's very, that comes in very handy so that you're not leaving out your, your nature stuff all over the table. Now, you know, there's the romantic 
there's the romanticism of it all. And, and, and the older you get, the more you look back and you're like, oh, those are so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, God sometimes reminds you of the, the, how, you know, how you're getting up in the morning, you're, you know, pulling your hair out, you're trying to make this work and the baby's crying. And, but and one of the things I always like to tell moms is the key isn't how good or bad your day going is going. It's how you keep going, even in the midst of, so you had to stop and change, you know, do the, change the baby's diaper. You had to stop. You had to go do the laundry, but you can, you don't have to quit. You don't have mm-hmm. to quit at that point. You can go right back to doing what you were doing. Maybe, maybe you read three paragraphs and boom you know, something happened. Um, but you can just go back and read some more paragraphs before the next thing happens. You don't have to give up when um, things appear to be um, falling apart because if you do, you're not going to get very much done. Over. And what we're trying to do is add up a lot of the, – the point is, and, and this is what will happen over time, is that you'll that you will – it will add up to many, many, all those little moments you collected together will add up to something, even though it doesn't seem like it at the time. Mm, I love that. That's really an encouraging word. I, I want to just talk about a little bit about your podcast, the literary life. Cause if I had my druthers and I could just pick anything I wanted to do, that would be my world. I would just get a, <laughs> a pile of books and some place to write. And that would, and you know, some good coffee and tea. I'd be set. Oh. Uh, so how, how do you feel like it, is it really possible to live the literary life with all the things that we all do? And you had a huge family that was really involved in doing a lot of different things. How did you balance all those things? Yeah, well, I, I was kind of an introvert, so, um, I was home a lot and that did help. The the hours that I spent at home were very helpful when there were years when I didn't read a whole lot because I was so busy. But what happened was when I, I used to read a lot before I had children. Then at, at first I had children, I was reading a lot about parenting and all those things. And then, of course, I had like three, four or five children and I wasn't reading as much. And that was when I started reading aloud a lot to the kids. Mm. And um, I, I was just talking to someone the other day about if I look it, it didn't seem like all we did was sit around and read. But when I look at a list of books that someone says, these are really good read aloud books, I've almost always read them all. Uh-huh. And, and it, it's very satisfying to think, wow, it, it may have seemed like we weren't getting a lot done, but because we just kept reading, we got through all these books and that cannot never be taken away from us. That, that that's there permanently in the lives of my children. And the, so uh, now I remember more sometimes than they do, because while they may have heard a book once, I might've heard it three different times with, you know, my student I have now and a couple of different um, groups of kids that, um, mm-hmm. of my, when the kids were little, but mm-hmm. even so a light, you can live a life centered around books and that's Angelina and I both, I read a lot and Angelina has a lot of knowledge about the, the, the way that stories work. Mm. And, and we, and we just like talking about books. So we said, well, why don't we, uh, we had been talking about books to each other and we thought, you know what? Um, <laughs> other people really get podcasts. Let's talk about books. Everybody wants to listen in. Yeah. That's yeah. a phenomenal idea. Yeah. So, and Angelina comes, she's an academic and I'm just a mom who did not even get a college degree, but who, who was able to basically, because I stayed home with my children and because we were homeschooling and I was reading to them and reading on my own, I 
basically over the course of 25 years educated myself to mm-hmm. the point where I I read a lot. So it it's suddenly it's like, oh, I read that. I read that. I read that. I'm not trying to brag. I, I basically just huddled up in my home and um, uh, became, became a well-read person accidentally. And I think that is available to moms. I, I used to say that moms are the last vestige of the leisured classes. Now mm. that makes moms laugh because you don't feel like you have a very leisurely life, but you're in control of your own life as a mom. So when you get up in the morning, besides the fact that you have, you know, lots of little people looking at you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, you have, you are, you're organizing your days the way you want to. That is how the upper classes used to be the only people who could do that. Mm-hmm. It was the upper classes who were educated in, in classical times and, and, and in the Middle Ages so that, um, that's the, edu- that, those were the people who were educated. Nobody now, now we all have to work so hard and so many people are out. Many times both parents are working, but if you're a mom at home, you are in a unique position to, to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. That I think that's really encouraging to so many moms with young kids who feel like they're just kind of stuck at home. Mm-hmm. And yet it's this really unique opportunity, especially if you can manage your need for fellowship along with. Yes, exactly. Know. There is that. You don't want to, um, and your kids have needs for fellowship. And so working all that out, um, is takes some, is, there's an art to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned, um, the development of virtue and just how that is related to being faithful in the little things. And I, when I hear that scripture verse uh, or that verse, I always think of our children are little things when they start out. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not how it starts out, the actual meaning, but, you know, don't yeah. despair the little things. And our kids start out as little things. <laughs> and it does get really worrying, wearying um, having laundry and diapers and food to oh. take care of all the time. And yet um, those little things lead to bigger things. And can you just speak to not necessarily that concept, but the little things in our lives and how they lead to bigger things and how that really can really be part of this development of virtue in our own lives and for our kids, which is one of the best soft skills we can offer our kids. It's just understanding what virtue is, knowing it when you see it and living a life of virtue. Well, the very first thing I like to talk in that area that I like to talk to younger moms about because it's because it's something that seems daunting to them is how very little time we need to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we, we, we have time to be on social media. We have time to do all these things, but for some reason, when it seems like we're going to sit down to read the Bible, it seems like this major project. Like I have to have, you know, my coffee, my, my picture of my coffee, my Bible, my (laughs) my journal, my, my Strong's concordance and my commentary and I have to make a thing out of it. And then I don't do it because, you know, I have this great plan. But really, I, I've been doing this little exercise when I speak lately where I have people p- turn to John 1 and they read for one minute. And you would not believe how long um, this minute seems when you're sitting in a group of people and you're waiting. Um, so the minute goes by and then we, we, we time it. We see how many verses that people have read. It turns out that generally speaking, that people have read about 15 verses in one minute. Wow. And I break, and I break it down if the Bible has, I, I think it was 31,100, 
into that. That's me just guessing off the top of my head from my past, the past in about, if you only read 15 verses a day, you would end up reading the Bible in a little over five years. You would read the whole Bible in five years. And in the course of your life, you could read the Bible over and over again by just reading one minute a day. And, and, and if you read two minutes a day, then you, you know, doubled that number and three minutes. And it really, really doesn't take any time. You don't have to have a major plan. And there's nothing like having God's word hidden in your heart. Um, when you have God's word hidden, hidden in your heart, then you're giving the Holy Spirit a tool to use for your benefit when when you do need virtue, when you do need to make a hard decision, when you do need to tell the truth, then the Holy Spirit is there with God's word, which is a powerful combination um, to remind you of what of what God's word says. And it's really, really just a matter of faithfully doing that one one uh, one little minute at a time. Mm-hmm. I just read a thing. I, I did a presentation um, last month on working homeschoolers. And one of the concepts I came across was the 1%, 1% rule, which means just try to improve in areas of your life, mm-hmm. just 1% a day. Just And 1% is hardly anything. I mean, right. if you're doing 15 verses a day, the next day you can do, I mean, it's not even a verse and a half. It's it's just part of a verse, right? right? I mean, right. it's so doable to think of it in little teeny increments. And over the course of a, of a time period, you have a lot done in many ways, like you were talking about with reading out loud to your kids. Yeah. You could do the same thing that way. You can say, well, I, I, I only, I don't have all day to read out loud to my kids or I feel da- it's daunting. This book is long and big, but I, what if I read a little bit? How many, how long would it take me to get through this book? Mm-hmm. May take you a little longer than, but if if a book says it has twenty chapters, you could read it in twenty days if you read a chapter a day. And often it takes you far less time to read a chapter of a book than you think it does. Mm-hmm. Maybe five to ten minutes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, you know, can we just talk uh, just a short minute about your book, Mere Motherhood, and how you decided to write a book in the midst of raising nine kids and reading and caring for everybody, where did the book come from and what exactly, what's, what do you hope people take away from your book? Well, the book, I will say this, when I first started talking about writing the book, it was going to be a little different than what it turned out to be. Um, What happened was that right in the middle of writing the book, my family kind of fell apart. Um, We went through some very traumatic things and, for some members of my family, it was more traumatic than others. And it just, it just took out all, all the fluff of that book. It took out all the, anything that might've been puffed up or prideful about our family was just gone. And I had to just pull myself up eventually a couple years later and say, okay, Lord. Um, and, and, and it was like, he would say, now you can write the book. Now, mm. now you can share with mothers what it's really like to, um, to, to have children and to, to be faithful as you know how to be without really, you know, with, with all the while you have to trust me for the outcome. Mm-hmm. And that was really what I wanted to communicate to moms. So I had this heart for older moms and I had this heart for younger moms. For the younger moms, you want them to be faithful. You want them to have that vision that we keep talking about, um, to see what it would look like to have a family that, 
um, that homeschooled or that, you know, that, that had certain things in place. And for the older mom, you want to be there and saying, yeah, you're not alone. When you are, when we deal with individuals, life is hard. Relationships are hard. And the more relationships you have in the family, um, Sometimes it can get very, very difficult. And many older homeschooling moms had felt abandoned or left alone, like, oh, my goodness, I thought I was going to have the perfect family, and it didn't turn out that way. So now I'm just going to crawl in a hole and disappear. And I, I hope your motherhood tells those women, you know, come on out. We still need to hear your stories. We still need to hear from you. Um, and not lost. <laughs> and, and maybe even more than the perfect stories, because... Life is so messy. And one of the things, um, you know, we talk about in our family is if, if you're really, truly seeking after Christ and running after him, the enemy's running after you yeah. with arrows pointed at you, ready to take you out. And he wants to kill us whatever way he can. If he can't kill us physically, he'll try to kill our faith or our joy or our kids. And um, what gets to the heart of a mama more than her children? Mm-hmm. Um, and as homeschool moms, we've invested so much in our kids. Maybe we've given up a career or friendships or other opportunities to be home, really um, overseeing and mentoring our kids in their educational um, and personal lives. And it, we take it personally when the outcomes don't work out the way we had hoped God would make them work out. But I do think that's really a developmental task for many of us who are homeschooling that we get to be faithful but we don't get to choose the outcomes. And the very act of faithfulness is what we get. <laughs> and we lose sight of that sometimes because we think if, if we do X, we're going to get Y or whatever. But right. yeah, well, that's, oh, yeah, it would be so nice if that was true. <laughs> if we, yeah. if we could just only just, like I said, plug it all in and have it all turn out that way, but that's not how, and God has a story for our children. So, you know, I have children that were, you know, in their, you know, 18, 19, and there was a struggle. And now they're 30, 35, you know, that it, it doesn't mean that the story's over. You know, when my kids were 18, my oldest was 18 and he was doing something. Um, he was going into the Navy and that just devastated me. It felt like the end of the story. Mm. Oh, I, I homeschooled him and he went into the Navy. Wow. What a terrible story that is. Uh-huh, that's <laughs> that funny. Was not my story that I was writing. And yet now here, now he's 15 years later, he's, you know, he's not in the Navy anymore, but he's a father of five children. He has a wonderful wife. Um, They homeschool their children. And um, it was a good story. I just was in the middle of it and it seemed like it, you know, things had gone wrong. And, and of course I had to learn, you know, oh, I have to just trust God. I just need to do what God has called me to do. And I need to trust him for Mm -hmm. the outcome of that. Right. And God often has different ideas than we might too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even as <Almost> always. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, well, it, it has been delightful to talk with you today. I'm going to put links to your podcast and your book and your, your site and your Facebook groups and pages in our show notes so that our listeners can easily find you if they haven't discovered your, your beautiful heart. Um, I hope that they will, will click the links and, and read about um, some of the big ideas that you're talking about. Well, thank you, Lisa. Yeah. Thanks so much, Cindy. It has been great to have you on this um, podcast of soft skills, one one life skills for a digital age.
So if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride because that is what keeps these episodes coming. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share with your closest colleagues, and show notes will always be available to download over on swallowyourpridepodcast.com where you can also be notified of the latest podcast episodes. Also, credit to Stephanie Jacobson for her incredible editing skills and thank you so much to all of you for listening. Coming soon from Speech Science, Talking with Tech. With me, Rachel Madel and Chris Bugay. What are we going to be talking about? Stop feeling so daunted by technology. Push the button. You're not going to break it. Help people start implementing. Maybe listen to our podcast and go, well, I could try that tomorrow. Conversations with the thought leaders behind all this. I'd also love to hear success stories. If it's working for you, then maybe it could work for somebody else. Go to tech.speechscience.org, subscribe to our podcast, and check that site for exclusive content that you won't see anywhere else. Please listen carefully. Hi, I'm Matt Hott, one of the hosts of Speech Science, a weekly podcast bringing you all the information that you can handle related to speech sciences and disabilities. Ivan Campos, Lucas Stuber, and I interview leaders and difference makers in the field. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. You can find us on iTunes, Android, and on our website, www.speechscience.org slash speech science podcast. Join us as we try to find the answers to the question, what is communication? 